Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Liz Loza. Seated next to me is... The one and only Matt Harmon, and far away at another table, quietly judging producer Brett. <laughs> Not quietly, sometimes. Yeah, no, actually, it, actually, it's quite loud. If your judgment. eyes could speak, mm. they would they would paint a picture <laughs> that amazing. speaks a thousand words. Do you know, I and have, sings a thousand songs. I have to say, uh, I listened to last week's podcast. I am so sorry you guys had to deal with that version of me. That was rough. I was a very very dead person last week. I thought you came to life. I made yeah. it work. Yeah, yeah. No, I was, I, I was. I mean, that's credit to you guys. You and especially Liz bring out the best in me. You know what? I wasn't crazy about it after we <laughs> recorded it, but after I listened to it again while editing it, I was like, actually, this is quite charming. So I, I, <laughs> I, Im- quite charming. I implore the listener, you know, <laughs> like I don't a, really like these people yeah. have to deal with, but they are kind of charming, charming in their like, own broken ways. Like The Wire, I implore the listener, just watch it again. Just watch it. Listen to this oh. episode all the way through another time. You might actually find it quite hang, charming. Hang on. Hang on. If you don't like The Wire during the first watch, you're... I liked The Wire, but I really savored it like a fine wine the second time. And I got a lot more out of it on the second watch. Interesting. I haven't watched it for a second time. But yeah, The Wire is the greatest show ever made. And if you don't like it, you can, you know, just delete the podcast I feel the same way about Sex and the City. Matt, Sex and the City was a show starring Sarah Jessica Parker. I don't know if you were out of... I think my mom watched it. Oh, wow. (sighs) Um, normally that's like a, a, a nice peel back, peel back the curtain here for the, uh, for the listener. That's normally a, a cute little thing Liz does to me. Uh, she'll, uh, I don't know what the reasoning still is gonna for it. Still going to outlive you. Probably. I mean, I've done a Seven lot. Seven and a half years. I've done a lot of bad things to the body. So yeah, I mean, you got good odds out of me. But yeah, normally this is a cute little thing Liz does to me. Like, you know, she makes a reference that I might not get you. Oh, and she'll explain it to me. But this time, you know, normally I just am like, ha Liz, very funny. That's great. And I take it. But today. So you're telling me that you have a, like a little extra angst towards me now. Nah. Okay, we'll see. Uh, you might after this, Brett, you know, on last week's episode, Matt and I talked about this mock draft that we were doing. And, you know, Matt is a now a lifelong 49ers fan for the 2019 season. And, um, well, Brett, why don't you just play this? You haven't taken a quarterback yet either. I haven't. I know. And this is a two-quarterback league. I know. But, but look, I'm looking at it right now. I, I'm waiting on Matthew Berry to make his pick, and then I'm next. And then I'm um, next. And then you're next. I think I'm probably going quarterback here. And I feel actually, because I looked at it 
where I picked the fourth, my fourth round pick was Marlon Mack. I thought about taking quarterback there. You had taken Carson Wentz right before me, which great pick. I really like that. Can't I might have think I might have thought about uh, Carson Wentz there in that spot, but like there are other fourth round guys like Jameis, Kyler Murray, Jared Goff. Those are the ones that are going right before me. You know, I think I, we're both going to end up like competing for Jimmy G. Yeah, I mean, I, I, so I've kind of put a pin on him till late. That's as my as my second quarterback. I'm an idiot for well, admitting maybe I'll it. Just take him with this next pick just to be a jerk. Um, it's not surprising. <laughs> that, that seems like that's something how Matt I chose his do. affection. If he's mean, you're like a you're like a third grader. Yep. Yeah. So it wasn't the next pick. Matt did stay true to his word, which was not revealed in that clip, but in the last week's episode, which you should go back and listen to because we've definitely hyped it. Um, and it's charming, apparently. It's like season two of The Wire. Oh, come Season on, four of Sex and the City. Anyway, um, Matt did choose Lamar Jackson. Uh, and then back on The Snake, I was picking ahead of Matt. And um, to be fair, I decided to zag even though I saw a quarterback run. And um, Matt drafted Jimmy Garoppolo. Man of my word. You are. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. So if Matt says he's going to screw you over, uh, well, he's going to screw you over. I've never done that. Yes, Matt did end up drafting Jimmy Garoppolo. Again, it's not entirely his fault because I had the option to draft a quarterback there and I decided to draft a wide receiver instead. I couldn't resist Chris Godwin and his breakout potential. So a little callback to last week. Another callback to last week was you talking about your other favorite team. The mm. Carolina Panthers, which, you know, you thought they'd push at eight wins. You couldn't understand the feelings that you were having for them. Best to table those and move forward with other options like the 49ers. But, you know, you did say if the team were to sign Gerald McCoy, oh, that might change things for you. We're really going to get into this. This is also, forewarning, this is a very mad heavy episode. Just lots of Matt Harmon. Saddle up. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I have a lot of thoughts about the Panthers lately. I kind of think they have a good roster. So going into this offseason, they had two clearly defined holes on both sides of the line. And I think they've done a lot to address both of those. They signed center Matt Paradis. Uh, on the offensive line. They draft Greg Little in the second round, probably good enough to compete at left tackle, keep Taylor Moten at right tackle, and you know then they can do with what they will with Daryl Williams, who they brought back on a cheap contract. That is a much... It's not great, but it's a much better situation than what they finished with last year on the offensive line. And then on the defensive line, their pass rush was bad last year. And, you know, Julius Peppers retires... They draft Brian Burns in the first round, and then they get Gerald McCoy, who's, you know, not what he once was. He's not great against the run at this point. Those are the notes that I had. Yeah, but they have him and K1 Short, two inside penetrators right there in the front line. That's pass rush is looking much better. Do you find it curious at all that part of the reason I don't buy this fully? But part of the reason that Tampa Bay said they wanted to move Gerald McCoy was that they were transitioning. Uh, to a 3-4 defense, which the, I mean, I don't know, 3 4, four th- everyone's running past yeah. the packages, so the, it's not really the same. The Panthers the same, are supposed to be trying to be more right. multiple this year, too. So then clearly the Panthers are not as concerned about McCoy's theoretical freelancing at the line of scrimmage, which is, you know, or, or his lack of disruptiveness, which is what Bruce Arian said uh, about him recently. Yeah, I guess not. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. This feels like a big coup for for Carolina. I have to say, I, I am going to end up falling for the Panthers at some point this year. And this is for you, Liz, my dear friend, Brett, my dear producer, and all you dear listeners out there. I'm going to fall for the Panthers again this year at some point. And when they do what they always do, uh, slaughter me internally, please be here to, to pick me back up. Nope. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing? What about you, people, the listeners? If you're going to help me through this emotional turmoil that I'll inevitably get myself into, look, I'm just trying to be vulnerable, okay? I'm trying no, to, don't do that. I'm trying to be vulnerable and, and be genuine and be open. Yeah. Um, the rebrand... Look, I think this is I think this is a good thing for me to try to do. I just know that Carolina will inevitably destroy me for See, it. See, but you're too you've made all of these. We're going to get into reception perception now and I think this is a nice segue because you've said that your watch has ended and thus made all of these like Jon Snow references and I think there's a lot of Jon Snow in you. Oh no. Oh god, I don't like that. Yeah, but that's that's the Jon Snow thing. That's the like be vulnerable slowly erode someone's trust and then when the Khaleesi is vulnerable, shiver or let Igreet just get shot. I mean, with an arrow, just boom, you're dead. And then you can go out into the wilderness and keep being vulnerable and like journal about it. Holy hell. <laughs> I don't like this. My watch has ended though. Reception perception is over. Let's talk about it. So let's it. get into the best parts of Matt Harmon, which is his Charts. methodology. <laughs> <laughs> Charts. Nothing about me personally. Um, yeah, so... The reason I was so freaking exhausted last week was because uh, all the reception perception work was just about winding down. And uh, we're now five years into the series. And this year uh, was the third year I've done it with the fantasy footballers. Great guys. You can check all this out at receptionperception.com. You wrote a really nice um – you talked about your dad in a very sweet way on your Instagram. It was very heartwarming. Thank you. Yeah, my dad likes to tell this story um, now that we're, you know, because we're going to get into like the origin of the methodology and what it all means and all that. My dad likes to tell this story of like five years ago, uh, walking into my awful one bedroom apartment in Lynchburg and uh, Lynchburg, Virginia. And there's just all these papers, like piles of papers strewn across the floor. And uh, he's like, what the hell are you doing with this in here? I'm just like, dad, I'm, I'm working on this idea for a series I want to do on my website. It's called Reception Perception. And, you know, it's, it is it is really cool for to be vulnerable. I'm sorry. But it is very cool to look back now after five years, over 200 players charted, 53,000 routes, which is absurd, to the series is, is where it is and people are interested in it. And that's cool. You know, you put stuff out there in the universe and you just you don't know how people are going to react to it. And um, the r response to Reception Perception, whether it's from the fantasy footballers taking it in and, and making what it making what it is Yahoo being interested in doing content with it, you know, and, and just people out there reading and supporting it. It's awesome. Like it's the it's definitely the coolest part of me, I guess. <laughs> well, I think that it's attached to it. one of the coolest things, all kidding aside, that Matt has done is consistently put an authentic piece of himself out into the universe. And that does take courage. And this was something that obviously resonated with a whole lot of people. And it's something you should be very proud of. And it's something that is useful even to me. Oh, so uh, there is there is a sweetness and a utility to the best parts of Matt Harmon. And I want, in case anyone does not know about reception perception, get on it. There's lots of acronyms to figure out. Trust me. But I want one, if you can, without, you know, giving away intellectual property, talk about 
the methodology in a brief way so that people can understand when they see the awesome graphics that attach to it, what it all means. Yeah. So what I do with Reception Perception is over an eight game sample for NFL players, because that's where back at these these early phases I talk about with the, all these charts strewn across the floor. That's where I found that the data tends to normalize to be representative for an entire season. Um, so, so half of a season. Right. So eight games for an NFL player. Um, I chart every single route that they run, you know, how often they run each type of route, how often they get open on each route, how what type of coverages are they most successful against? And I define success as just getting open. So it's a subjective judgment that I've accrued over, you know, five years of doing this. And, um, you know, there's also some other ancillary metrics too. you know, how often they break tackles in the open field, one tackle, two plus tackles on an open field attempt, contested catches and everything like that. So really, I mean, anything you want to know about a wide receiver, where they line up, are they an X receiver? Are they a flanker receiver? Are they a big slot receiver? Reception perception is going to tell you all about it. And there's success versus success rate versus coverage is like the main metric. And, you know, I chart man zone and press and then success rate on each individual route. So I, I think that's important, too, because if there's one I've learned so much over the last five years doing this and there are. I like to say that the data is never wrong, but the use of the data can be wrong. Hmm. And that's true for almost anything. But there are statements and there are takes I've had based on reception perception data, you know, two, three years ago that like I would never have today because I understand so much more of what this is telling me, you know, and, and it's some of it is like naturally intuitive, but it's cool to see it play out in data over five years. You know, for example, a player like Will Fuller, who runs a bunch of deep routes, he's never going to have the same type of high success rate you know, against coverages that a player who, you know, uh, Sterling Shepard, for mm -hmm. example, more of a short area slot receiver, you know, the fact he's running, because if you just look at like the distribution of which routes are most successful, they go in like a V shape down, you know, up from shorter routes down to the deeper routes, much less successful on average. I think if you want, I don't know how you're going to be able to do this, but I, I would like people to be able to see this in a visual way, even though this is an audio format. But on your Instagram at Harmon underscore BYB, you did in your stories clips of a play and then analysis of the route. So I don't know. Are you doing more of that? Yeah. Hop on my, it's, you know, those little highlights you can do on the gram. Yes. I've been told that I need to make those look prettier though, because apparently they're not good looking. But I mean, I'm taking a break from the social right now. I'm doing it. I can't. I got it. Fair enough. Gotta look, everybody needs a little bit of break. But if you don't want to take a break, you can go to my Instagram page. <laughs> yeah, don't you at, take at a Matt break? Matt <laughs> underscore BYB, and they're the the first highlight there is some of these guys I've done. Some of the them that are more recent ones that I've looked at. Curtis Samuel, who we'll talk about, Anthony Miller, who we'll talk about, Albert Wilson. I got some clips of him up there. Um, and I believe Will Fuller all, as well. So, yeah, those are things I want to do more and more uh, throughout the rest of the summer because it kind of lets you know this is what I'm seeing when I'm looking at this, which I think is cool. Yeah, I agree. That's why I mentioned it. Hey, thanks. Appreciate it. You're welcome, friend. So you talked about what you've learned over the five years of doing this, let's talk about more specifically what you learned in 2019. Curtis Samuel is a player that you have been quietly hyping yeah. for quite, I, I feel like I've heard all of these mini takes and now is your opportunity to just bask in the love affair and adoration that you are having with this tandem, this receiving tandem um, and the surprise receiver of the two that you like more. Curtis Samuel is so good, you guys. <laughs> I mean, I, we have been talking about it over the last few episodes, but I called him in the ultimate draft kit in his player bur blurb uh, the most stunning positive result from the 2018 charting process. Now, you know, I watched the, obviously I watched the damn Panthers. So uh, I 
have seen Curtis Samuel and you can tell within glimpses of players oh wow this guy is I mean Stefan Diggs was another player and I this is who I compare him to I do not think it is outrageous to compare Curtis Samuel right now to early career Stefan Diggs not what Diggs has become but that's the type of route runner Samuel shows. And you can see that sometimes on game day. But to- but that is also, let me just interject here because I think I want everyone to know that's also not just because Curtis Samuel came out as this, this is not the right comp, but Ty Montgomery is a lazy comp. Oh, sure. uh, running well, people, back We're talking hybrid, about Paris right. Campbell this year. That was Curtis Samuel a few years ago. But he is not, he has been able to evolve his technique. So he is no longer yes. just that. And that is something that you notice that other people maybe not employing this methodology will have been as keen on. Yes, yeah, 76.6% success rate versus man coverage. That puts him at the 94th percentile in reception perception history. And again, that's that's elite level separation stuff. Also, Samuel, too, I remember when we were in New Orleans, uh, I remember this catch he had. And this was something it's like, oh, I am seeing the route running more and more. But this was something I didn't really see in his repertoire really at all developing but he had this great contested catch on a on a touchdown against the lions in that week 11 game and that was something that happened all throughout this last season he saw a contested catch attempt on 35 percent of the targets i sampled with him 73.7 percent conversion rate very very good score if you want to see who curtis samuel is go watch him against the falcons late in the season with freaking you know Taylor Heineke back there playing mm-hmm. quarterback, and he's just dusting Trufant, Desmond Trufant, who's a good corner all mm-hmm. game. I would I would say if you want to learn more about him, watch that game. So the other part of the surprise, obviously, is not just that Samuels was able to uh, evolve his technique, but that there is a chasm or a, ga- a chasm or is that yes, a little okay no, chasm? It's not extreme between DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel, and I will say right now. I'm already seeing the DJ Moore hype pieces, probably because of his draft pedigree and his spark score. Yes. Uh, Liz, you're getting to do this because you're in the room with me. But look at these two players back to back. That's Curtis Samuel's chart. Lots of green. That's DJ Moore's (laughs) chart. Not as much. That looks like a flower. One looks like a poinsettia. One just looks like a bush. Yeah. A lot of red on that one. Now, here's the thing. And again, this is a situation where it is important to say what we were talking about earlier, which is. There are takes I would have had on reception perception two or three years ago that I would just never have today. The fact that DJ Moore scored below the 10th percentile in success rate versus man and press coverage, not good. Like, let me be clear, that does not mean that DJ Moore is a bad player, but it is impossible to ignore the fact right now that he is not a great route runner and not a great separator versus individual one-on-one Why coverage. Why is that such a surprise, though? Because that was the knock coming out of college. That was it, the knock yeah. at Maryland. And I, in fact, everyone took the Stefan Diggs comp to DJ Moore because of... School to school. Yeah. Mm, yeah. It's not a surprise. It's a little bit... I'm a little bit surprised how extreme it was because I also think... I also think... I think... I talked to DJ Moore before that last year's draft. I know he's a hard worker. I, and he also has all the athletic traits that you would want, like in terms of flexibility sure. as a route runner. He's just not there yet. So maybe it's something that he can get better at. But even if he doesn't, he also has clearly defined strengths. I mean, it's like he's Golden Tate. It's a perfect comparison. Tate, not a good separator versus man or press coverage, but you never would know it um, based on, you know, how the Lions used him because he's just a constant slot huh. receiver. I mean... And I, I, tweet- I would have never, ever put that together. So I am definitely sitting here dumbfounded. That's incredible. That's a good nugget, a nug. And I was tweeting about this a couple, like I think last week, and people were like, don't you think that DJ Moore could have a higher ceiling 
than Golden Tate. It's like, dude. That's a pretty high ceiling. Yeah, right. But Golden Tate had 90 plus catches four years in a row. Four damn good years yeah. with the Lions. Like, if Moore does that, Carolina would be doing backflips. And maybe the best yards after catch. But that's why they're that's right. why it's perfect because more and it's worth noting based on like any yards after catch metric you look at was clearly like the best in the league at it last year. I mean, I think that Curtis Samuel could be a poor man, Stefan Diggs. And I think that DJ Moore playing a very similar role to Adam Thielen makes a natural comp. So the future is bright with both of these guys in Carolina. I do think most people will still be shocked and it will be a talking point. Um, you know, to people who purchase the ultimate draft kit and look at these charts, how the difference, how wide the difference is. But also, is. nice um, value nug if you you should purchase it. But if you don't, maybe there's the tip is you go don't have to go Curtis ahead. Samuel, yeah, go. Baby. <laughs> um, I just did in this draft that we're talking about. You sure did. Uh, I am up next, but they can wait. Let's talk about my, my the team that I have an off again and on again relationship with. Oh yeah, let's get into that. Let's talk about the Chicago Bears. The Chicago Bears, man. I think. I think they knew that I felt neglected, <laughs> and so they're, like, really trying to up their game, but I just don't know if it's too little too late. Like, talk about therapy. I, I do think that these—we do see these teams, like, do these things to us where it's yeah. like—I mean, yeah, I'm trying to—I'm doing a literal entire series where I'm trying to break up with the Panthers, and then it's like, oh, well, we'll just give you this great breakout—the thing you can't—you can't, you can't right. deny, Matt Harmon, a—, a a beautiful route running receiver. We'll give him this. This is what you have to look forward to. And now you're feeling the same way with the Bears. And the, the yeah, but then the Bears in the postseason did that thing where it's like, I'm okay. I'm all right. Let's I'm go do this again. Let's, let's yeah. get our recommitment ceremony on. <laughs> and then you're yeah. going to, you know, fart afterwards. Bingo. <laughs> um, so the Bears wide receivers are two guys that I think really stood out in reception Which perception. I am referring to Allen Robinson and Anthony Miller. I was happy that Anthony Miller ended up making the cut in terms of a guy who needed to be charted. So Allen Robinson, start with him. Because I think he is a... I feel like this is my crush and your crush in a combo. Absolutely. I mean, I think Allen Robinson at this point is not really a crush. We're just like, we're just committed to each other at this point. Mm -hmm. Like through thick and thin, I will always defend the man and let me do it again. Uh, I think he's a wonderful breakout. I mean, a bounce back candidate this year. We Last we, last we saw him... In the postseason. He looked great. But yep. last extended exposure we got of Allen Robinson in Jacksonville did not leave us with fond memories right. uh, before that ACL tear in 2017. But Robinson was pretty much back to that form that he had during his 2015 season. Not quite that prolific, but in terms of his route running last year. A little bit farther off for his press coverage, but against man coverage, he was back up at the 78th percentile. I think that's what you're looking for with a player like him. Um, his most successful routes uh, were the slant, the curl, the dig, those just chunk up production routes. So I think he he could be very well back this year. But Anthony Miller is the interesting one to look at. And Liz, I know we have uh, the identical com player comparison for him. Doug Baldwin. Yes, I think he, uh, as Doug Baldwin enters stage left, we have a, a natural fill-in for him here with Anthony Miller, who his inaugural run at the NFL level saw him finish at the 85th percentile in terms of success rate versus man coverage. Uh, so now again, not a guy that's great at press. That's why you want to play him inside. But he's a natural separator. He's a dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. a straight dog. Yeah. He's uh, some of those Instagram clips that we were talking about with Anthony Miller. I tried to highlight why he's more than just your, you know, pop gun slot, slot receiver. Uh, it's the quickness off the line, sure, but it's the ability, like you said, to, to win 50 50 balls in tight coverage to, and to win 
as a vertical player. And if you look at his success rate chart, you see that there's a lot of green down the field, not just these little tiny short rounds. I think the thing about Anthony Miller when I watched him coming out of college was that he, it sounds so trite to say a player is tough. Yeah. Right? Like I felt that way about Debo Samuel this year, right? That this player is tough. But when you see the charts that Matt has created and that toughness is aestheticized. Sure. <laughs> Actualized. Actually, like when you, you, you see it bear out uh, in those contested catch situations, it makes that feeling. It's also just kind of feels nice to be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew that you were a dog. And he, and he, also a very sweet, I've met him uh, a couple of times and he's a wonderful, wonderful human and very humble and sweet and he works hard. And here's, here's the thing with the Bears wide receivers and really the offense in general. It's a tough pie to split up because I think if healthy Robinson gets 120 plus targets, most likely. And I think a lot too is dependent on Mitch's development well, and, and willingness to you jumped to the end of my point Sorry. there but that but it's but that is the big question because we can sit here and be like okay robinson gets 120 targets sure great miller can he break like i mean he's not going to leave taylor gabriel in the in the dust because my boy taylor gabriel mm-hmm. uh my good my good pal taylor gabriel is a good player <laughs> i love that like uh, the bears receivers slide into both of our dms I but know, saying right? very yeah. different things yeah very different things uh <laughs> but taylor gabriel is is a good player uh he's not going anywhere trey burton is still there although he had a, a surgery recently uh Tariq cohen catches passes they also want to establish the run with david montgomery and it all comes back to okay this is all nice this all can like happen with this really nice offensive core of skill position players. But is, how good is the quarterback? I mean, he can drink a beer. He can slam a beer. He can slam a beer. Blake, 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 though, guys. Blake, Blake Bortles can slam a beer, too. So I have slammed one of Matt's beers in Tampa. So Yeah, you did <laughs> steal my beer. I think Stunning. I drank it quickly. Anyway, so that's good to know. Uh, not that uh, I steal beers, but that Allen Robinson and Anthony Miller both showed out. Uh, do They're you a sneaky do... top five, like, or not, maybe like if they both hit, I think they could be like a sneaky top 10, top five wide receiver core. Now, the next guy that we're going to talk about. We'll go for it. You is, intro it. Is a player that I think is firmly right now, hot take, but is part of a top five wide receiver duo because Julio Jones is elite, but Calvin Ridley, uh, we've talked a little bit about him here and there, but, you know, talk about DJ Moore being a not, not surprising that he wasn't a great route runner. It was equally as not surprising that Calvin Ridley was a incredible, an incredible route runner. This this is rookie season. Also incredible value. He's not going early. No, because I remember well before my memory swiped uh, we in week seventeen at our brunch uh, when we <laughs> <laughs> when we went out and enjoyed ourselves instead of coming here to the office Ugh. before I exited planet Earth. Uh, thank you, mimosas. Um, and tequila. And, and tequila. <laughs> I'll let you decide which one of the two of us was responsible for which drink. Anyways, I do remember saying to you and uh, John Evans that, um, man, I think Calvin Ridley could be the type of guy that like fantasy weenies, I think was my exact word that I used. Fantasy weenies are like, well, I can't. It's just touchdown per target and just kind of regress regression. But he might be just, and this is before I charted him, he might be just good enough that like it doesn't matter because he's going to have to command a volume promotion. And I think based on the data that I, I have of him, I think he is that good. Are you saying that because Muhammad Sanu is like, He's a jet. Like, or, and also 
older than me. <laughs> is he? No. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I don't, maybe don't look that up. But anyway, so on Ridley. Uh, Still going to outlive Matt. Success rate, obviously. Success rate versus man coverage falls at the 93rd percentile. He gets to play as that flanker receiver. Um, he hardly ever sees press coverage. And it's just such an ideal fit for someone who is technically sound. Great release moves off the line. Um, oh, he's 29. Not even 30. He is older than me. Uh, it was just so, so hard not to be brazenly optimistic about Calvin Ridley, even though, yes, he will, we all know, have some regression in some of these metrics. Are the Where is the regression? You're going to see the regression mostly in the giant, in the end zone targets? You're going to see, like, he is not going to score. Is that your yes, the touchdowns per target will regress. However, I think we're going to see more raw volume go his way. Like, it would be categoric I like Mohamed Sanu for what he is but it would be categorically irresponsible if the Falcons don't make him like a clear number two receiver and 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 Sanu a part of the offense but an afterthought. <laughs> well Dirk Cutter is gonna do his best to so we'll see <laughs> do what he can are you just side note are you buying any of this Austin Hooper hype I mean if you I mean somebody's got a draft tight end 10 10 Sure, why not? Chris Herndon, friend. Oh my God! Why? I can't wait. Chris Herndon, every damn episode. You know he's I gonna be. Wait. You know he's gonna be playing uh, behind some like thirty-two-year-old goofball that Adam Gase gives a promotion <laughs> to over this talented young I'm player. I'm just gonna say right now, I'm I am currently writing an article for Football Diehards. It's my annual article. It's called "On the Verge." The only tight end I've chosen to write about and analyze is Chris Herndon. But those those takes are those are nugs that we're gonna save. Jeez. Well when he gets Kenyon Drake, we'll we'll be this here not, for each it's other. It's not a running back by committee situation. It's it's this it, is a rapport and my friend Sam Darnold and I uh, yeah. Okay. Last one. Make me swoon, Matt, with these SRVC numbers for uh Mari Cooper. I mean I'm not gonna be swooning much uh for you here with Amari Cooper because you know Amari Cooper gets credited as like having this breakthrough in Dallas because I think people remember these big games, you know, against the Eagles. He had like three touchdowns uh, against Washington on Thanksgiving. He totally dusted everybody, but he was still a volatile producer from a fantasy standpoint in there. And I frankly, he was look, there's there's a lot of green on his chart. We know that he can separate well. However, the the usage to me was the interesting part of this because I think he was still the same player in terms of he's a solid but not great separator. Mm-hmm. I think he's an I think his his high moments from a route running perspective are very good, but I also think there are some holes here. But the way he was used both in Oakland and in Dallas that's the interesting part to me. I this like we're charting Amari Cooper actually made me a little more optimistic for the John Gruden era in Oakland because I thought they correctly identified him as a guy who needed to be a flanker slot receiver uh, instead of just a pure X. They did it and they did it in Dallas as well. So that's encouraging going forward. Are you also saying that Amari Cooper's polish has not the polish that he entered the league with has perhaps plateaued? Yes, I think he was advanced as a route runner as a prospect, but I do not think that he has advanced as a route runner like to be one of the best in the NFL, you know, right now. Interesting. Okay. Finally, Michael Thomas, everyone talks about his efficiency. Now I'm going to swoon. Yes, now we swoon. Okay. Because Michael Thomas, I think you could argue, might have had the best season I've ever tracked for reception perception. In fact, just like the Great Wall in Game of Thrones, he shattered a, in blistering fashion, shattered 
a stat in the reception perception record books that I never thought would fall, which was for the longest time since 2014, the first full season I charted for reception perception. Odell Beckham has held the record in terms of success rate versus man coverage at 80.1%, which is wild. Thomas hit 82.2 this year. So he now stands as number one there. Also had the best. So he had number one. He was number one in success rate versus man coverage. He was also number one in success rate versus zone coverage last year and was number two behind only Odell Beckham in success rate versus press coverage. I mean, this guy, I think people still think of him as like a big slot receiver. This guy is like an X receiver who is as good as anyone else in the league in terms of separating, in terms of running every route. I mean, he is just one of my absolute favorite players to watch. A do-it-all skill set. Yes. And if you look at New Orleans right now, they... Who else they got? They've got him and, you know, Alvin Kamara, which is why I still like... Jared Cook. I still like really like Alvin Kamara's RB1 overall and could have like a, 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 a tremendous season because like I could think he could catch like all the balls. Oh, yeah, like 115 passes this year and still get like 1300 yards receiving or something or running or something like that. Like, but Thomas to me, I think one of these days is going to have like a 1900 yard season or something like that. So then to bring it back, that's a lot to that's a fantasy. So wow. From a fantasy perspective, just to help people quantify a little bit, which is oversimplifying your incredible methodology. Sure. But would you rank Michael Thomas ahead of, say, Julio Jones? No, because no, no, because because Jones is such a downfield player, whereas I think New Orleans is only and this would help New Orleans, uh, Michael Thomas's like catch numbers. But I think New Orleans is becoming a small ball offense as Drew Brees ages and. Mm-hmm. Julio Jones is still one of the best downfield receivers in the league, but so the high value targets lean to Julio's way. Yeah, even though there's that whole like touchdown. Yeah, I was gonna say Thomas is a better, um, probably just a more likely red zone receiver. But I think just what this goes to show you too is the fact that everybody is so hot for running backs right now. You know, we just had spent the whole last podcast like deal all these tier two running backs. Like you can get Michael Thomas. This guy who I think might have had the best season I've ever tracked for a wide receiver. You can get him at like the, the turn of round two to round three. That's pretty wild. And you can get like guy like AJ Green there. And like, come on, that's not that's a hell of a start. If you if you uh, if you can go if you get a top four pick and you can go um, one of these top four running backs and then come around on the two three turn and get like a Thomas and Green, you're sitting pretty there. Matt, I mean, we talk about cigarettes on this podcast a lot. A lot. I don't smoke anymore, but if I did... When did you quit? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> one week ago. <laughs> no, long time ago uh, in high school. So I... Don't smoke, kids. No, it's horrible. Um, anyway, I would maybe need an aperitif or a cigarette or something after that talk. Can you please tell everyone where they can find... Also, do I get a copy for free? Well, we'll Are you going to make me buy this thing? We'll we'll talk about it. such a jerk. (laughs) We'll talk about it. Tell everyone else except me where they could find it. We'll talk off air about this. Um, But you can find it at receptionperception.com. You can buy access to all my Reception Perception metrics through the Fantasy Footballers Ultimate Draft Kit there. Uh, You can also use the hashtag Reception Perception on Twitter where you can certainly find uh, some links and charts there to get a little teaser of it. And And if you want more of a teaser, go to Matt's Instagram at MattHarman underscore BYB. I'm almost... At 2,000 followers, we're get, we're almost there, people. We're almost there. And he doesn't even need a thirst trap to do it. Well, maybe one every now and again. 
We'll see. Okay, um, let's talk about Under the Radar running back. Yeah, let's bring it down now. We this is like the post-coital cuddle, Uh and we're gonna do it. We've had our cigarette. (laughs) Yeah, which is the now it's time for like the putting in bed. No one else eats putting in bed. Does just me combos? Yeah, well, okay. It depends. How drunk am I in this scenario? Not drunk at all. Just like very happy and. Maybe you're just just had some. Maybe you're at an airport, so there are the food options are limited. I'm a Chex Mix guy at the airport. Tomorrow when I fly to New York, I bet you I'm gonna have a bag of Chex Mix. Oh God, I can't. Do you know that there's like buffalo wing combos now? That's like, gross. It's spicy on That's the outside. That's gross. That's God, nasty. Blue. That combos are like my dude. Combos are bad. Like they're not you're even bad. good. Well, that, <laughs> be that as it may. No, I mean, Chex Mix is good, um, but combos. <laughs> anyway. Brenda, cut this out of the podcast. I don't, I don't want. I don't want Liz to be embarrassed uh, publicly. I did a. Both of these are trash. <laughs> what? Come what on. Is your, what did you Cheese it is my airport oh, snack. Dude, come man. Oh, <laughs> Cheese it. I thought he was going to say goldfish. Oh, that would have been the most basic answer of all time. Cheese it. Cheese it's love them. Not even like Romano, like spicy cheese it's Just like basic. Oh yeah, I mean, if there's a spicy available. If there's like a Tabasco or something available. So <laughs> this is outrageous. Oh my God. There's so much to know about someone based on their snack choices. At the airport too. Cause that's like. I generally, to be fair, I like try not to eat at the airport because it's so full of sodium. And then when you fly, yeah. like yeah, you yeah. just. Brr. You need all that salt. No opposite. Oh, friend. okay. Sure. But anyway, you know who I bet doesn't eat combos or Chex Mix because they are. An NFL athlete, Benny Snell. So we teased this Benny Snell nug last week. So we gotta we gotta follow through. We are people of our word. Yep. We follow through on promises. Woman and man of our word. Correct. And let's discuss Benny Snell as part of a larger conversation of under the radar running backs. Because if you are on hashtag football Twitter, you are noticing perhaps three gents in particular that are blowing it up. Lots of lots of hype machines. Yeah. So So let us let us know. What's the Snell nug? Well, the Snell nug started for me because when I was at the NFL rookie premiere a couple of weeks back, where we talked about hand placement and breadsticks. Yep. Also, my um, friend, I will say, and uh, maybe like friendly acquaintance, Clinton Portis, who I worked with on Mostly Football, famed... Talk about nugs. Famed Washington running back. And again, uh, so I should give a little bit about... Clinton Portis is a wonderful human. He has had a history, but he has been incredibly warm to me. He was on an episode of Mostly Football last season, and he and I, after the cameras turned off, had a very deep, intense conversation about running backs and talent and who our favorites were. It was earlier in the season. And I will also say that it is so goddamn cool when... I, as a woman, get taken seriously, especially by an NFL athlete who played at a elite level and who wants, that's one, and who wants to, like, (laughs) hear my takes. We talked about Naheem Hines and a lot of other players. So I saw him and bumped into him at this um, NFL rookie premiere a couple of weeks ago. And he remembered me and he was like, oh, my goodness, who are you into? And I was like, there's a lot here to discuss. And he 
motioned to Benny Snell's jersey and said, I think this dude is going to be huge. Wow. So I said, Clinton, uh, I have to be honest, like Benny Snell's not really on my radar. And he was like, go watch yourself some tape and let's rap about it. Hopefully I'm mostly football, which I hope is coming back for a second season. And um, so I, I did that because I respect his opinion. And I also found it rather fascinating that around this same time, word out of OTAs is that Mike Tomlin is interested and there could be more of a committee, as we already discussed, than anyone had anticipated. Yeah. I mean, Have you watched any Benny Snell tape? Uh, a little bit here and there. Yeah, he's, 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 he, I will say, I, I ragged on his 40 time earlier. He does. I think that got cut. Yeah, it's hard to say. It was a lot of things that got cut back there. Um, he is, he's a tough, rugged runner for sure. And I think right away when he was drafted, people, I think people always want to return the Steelers to this, you know, the glory days of grit and run the football and blah, blah, blah. And I, I no doubt they're going to run the ball more this year. I mean, don't they have an option in 2019, but to try to pivot back? To yes, that? right. That's what I'm saying. I know they will do it more this year, but and James Conner is a good back. Like, I'm not jazzed about him in fantasy because of the offense and some of the questions we have. He's a good back, but he definitely has durability issues. Mm-hmm. And this is it's kind of what you're saying. Like, I'm not 100 percent sold that this is that that what we're going to see out of the Steelers is a cut and paste model of what we have seen out of the Steelers. And so yeah. James Conner is in that second tier of running backs ranked by most people anywhere from as high as number five to as low as number nine. Yeah. And when you have Jalen Samuels, who has a pass catching ability and you have Benny Snell, who could potentially spell Conner, who has had durability issues, then it, less or I would say more than this being about Benny Snell and a potential breakout, although, of course, if injuries happen, then the chances of that become greater. There is a a conversation to be had about James Conner's inflated value. I think that's totally fair. It would be shocking if the Steelers really did start to develop more of a committee approach, because really it's, you know, people at first thought it was Todd Haley is, you know, the force behind this. But even after Haley left, they've really been just like a, hey, our starter, our starting back, unlike many backs in the NFL today, other than like your Chris McCaffrey starting to do this now, but like you're 90 plus percent snap player. Um, so it would be quite a turn if that did come to pass. I just want to give a couple of Benny Snell nugs <clears throat> like about his uh, running style. If uh, Also, I'm surprised you don't like him because he calls himself Mr. Snellia later on the Twitters and you, you like all that pithy really sort of tongue-in-cheek stuff well when people make fun of themselves i think you appreciate that maybe i'm okay, no i, I do know. i do i, I do like when people make fun of themselves self-awareness is important uh so he was one of just four running backs in sec history to manage three straight 1000 plus rushing yard seasons uh in good company with herschel walker darren mcfadden and alex collins alex collins obviously on the next level we got some question marks had his moments sure Coach Tomlin talked him up at OTAs. There's a clip of him running. And the clip is great. His guts are great. It's great. I mean, like, he's a powerful guy. When you look at the Steelers' offensive line as rated, if you're into metrics, by football outsiders, their power rate and their stuffed rank are both solid for what Snell does best. Um, I don't know if he's going to be a pass-catching back. He doesn't really have that in his repertoire yet, uh, but you have Jalen Samuels for that. Here's the thing. Uh, one way or another, if James Conner was to get hurt this year, I, I would venture to guess that most people listening to this podcast right now 
did not know who Benny Snell was until we teased the nug last oh, week. Oh, yeah. You definitely teased it hard. They certainly, yeah, they certainly will know who he is now. And if James Conner was to ever get hurt, we're all, all of us jokers are going to be telling you, hey, you better rush to the waiver wire to pick up Benny Snell. So now you will know ahead of time. Congratulations, everyone. There are two more guys like that we want to talk about. Reichwell Armstead out of Temple. Sounds like a medicine. Like NyQuil. Reichel. Yeah, like Reichwell NyQuil. Um, his nickname, he does, actually, he doesn't have a nickname. Let's uh, hope you, he Reich. could be, he could be quite a deep sleeper, you know, with a name like that. <laughs> Please do not operate large motor vehicles while taking Reichwell Armstead. Armstead caught my eye at the Senior Bowl. He had a touchdown in the opening moments of the Senior Bowl. Um, he's another big How runner. How many times you watch the Senior Bowl? Three. Wow. That's, yeah. You're a pro. I, I, that is one of my favorite. We need to go to the Senior Bowl. <laughs> I can think of a place that I am less welcome than Mobile, Alabama. Well, but you'd be with me, and there's nothing more protective than like a geeky white guy with glasses in Mobile. I'm tall. You are big guy with a beard. Big guy with a beard. So Reichwell is a downhill runner with quickness and speed. Kind of feels like you use any of these analogies, like runaway freight train, steamrolls ahead, any of those things. I think is I've seen some scouts talk about how his pad level is at the point of contact is fine. I, I feel like his pad level is a little high for my taste. Mm. He is 5'11". Uh, I, I'm worried about... It, it's clear to me that Jacksonville has a type because he does feel a little bit like Leonard Fournette, which also, from a fantasy standpoint, if you look at Leonard Fournette's, I don't want to say character issues, but maybe... Relationship with the team. Sure. And also his durability problems. There's this guy who could step in. And the rest of the backs on that roster right now, correct me if I'm wrong, it's like Alfred Blue, Thomas Rawls. And Benny Cunningham. Yeah, oh, God. Like, talk about three running backs that it's like, ah, God, we got to talk about these guys as waiver pickups that are never going to do anything. Although Alfred Blue, I will say, has maintained an incredible, like, five-year streak of, like, randomly getting a 20-plus touch game. It used to always come in December, but Christmas came early last year. It happened much <laughs> earlier in the year. Um, so we're working. I don't know whether that trend is going to carry over into Jacksonville. With the fact that he's behind Leonard Fournette means it might, but my research team is working in-depth awesome. on that ac- across the across the offseason. Well, I will trust Armstead more in goal-line situations because he does have a knack for... It's not even like an... Like, it's not even like he's elusive, but he can just sort of, like get his own high-stepping, stiff-arming away from tacklers that is is different than a lot of other running backs, especially in the red area of the field. Uh, I'd encourage you to just look back at... Uh, Brad Evans is very high on him. I'm not as high on him <laughs> of as, <course> he is. <laughs> as everybody else. Um, but I do think when I look at him and I look at Fournette and I feel like this, the situation is a little bit volatile, I do sure. think Armstead could step into um, a massive opportunity and not just step into it, but succeed. He is raw. He does lack vision, but he does have just um, a uniqueness about his running style that works. And whether that can work on the next level, we'll see. But for the running back position, I think it's, you know, in a more seamless transition. Yeah, I would agree with that. Last one. Also, I just want to give a shout out to uh, J.J. Zacharyson, who had the funniest tweet after Armstead was drafted. This is from April 27th. So a few uh, months ago, like months ago now, a month and a half ago, at Late Round QB is J.J.'s Twitter handle. He said, make sure you're drafting Leonard Fournette as Reichwell Armstead's handcuff this summer, guys, which I think is pretty funny, but also shows you. What a treat. 
at least in the in-depth fantasy community, this guy is already... He's got some buzz. Yeah. Dexter Williams out of running... Out People of, um, like Dexter Williams. Notre too. Dame also has some buzz. He is in Green Bay. Let's talk about these three and then decide which of the three we'd prefer to stash. I have my answer already. Me too. Um, Dexter Williams does have a nickname. It is Juice. Juice. Because he's Isn't that kind of taken by, like, everybody already? O.J. Simpson? Jarvis, Jarvis Landry <laughs> trying to take it. Well, a running uh, back, though. So uh, I think it's because he o. went. O.J. Simpson. If you've been to prison, do you lose your nickname? Like, what's the deal with that? No, I think, I think you just know. get numbers. Yeah, uh, well. And, the, and a, like, a couple of tats or something. Um, oh. I think it's from <laughs> West Orange. He's from West, went to West Orange High School, oh. which is from, in Orlando, Florida, yeah. Juice. juice. I, I think, yeah, I think, plus... He's fast-ish. He's a more like, I don't know, I would say burst and quickness more than long speed. But he does have a second gear that can get places on the second level he's got. I thought the thing that I liked the most about him was his vision because he can identify holes immediately and then has that kind of long vision where he can choose when to cut back. And if he does find his way past the first set of defenders, negotiate space enough to continually dodge you know, a secondary. Hmm. So I thought that was an, a really nice part about his um, skill set and the thing that would stand out the most. Um, Do you like this? Like, I mean, obviously, Green Bay, you're, any running back attention to Aaron Rodgers is interesting. But what's the what's the pull here of the landing spot? Don't you think he's probably like third on the depth chart at best? Do I think he can probably outperform Jamal Williams? Like the as a runner, perhaps. But look, we know Williams has. Mm, I would say that Dexter is an every down running back, though. Oh, okay. Like he has a dual skill set, okay. so he to me is more versatile than Aaron Jones. And I think he talent wise. I mean, l- listen, Notre Dame has had some. I've fallen in love with plenty of backs from <laughs> Notre Dame, and it hasn't necessarily worked out. Who among us? CJ Prosize, <laughs> still here for you, buddy. So if you look at his pedigree, there are some question marks, but. I think the reason he fell was because of some off-the-field issues. Guns and weed, man. Guns Guns and and weed will get you every time. Who among us? (laughs) He also had an ankle injury. He was a part-time back for the first three-ish years, uh, two to three years of his college career. And then finally, in 2018, became the lead rusher. But he only played eight or nine games because he was suspended. I don't know the details of that suspension. So there are some character flaws here, which is why the Packers were able to draft him in the sixth round. So I think he could outperform Williams. I think he's more versatile than Aaron Jones. Can he keep his S together? That's the question. It's interesting. Um, Green Bay backfield right now, you know, with Aaron Jones, especially, you know, we talked about these tier two running backs. You love Aaron Jones. Uh, It took a while to get there because, you know, I wanted to, I had my narratives to fill um, based on running back talent, not mattering. But I mean, if Aaron Jones, if he is a, if he is the true RB one in this offense, it, now that Mike McCarthy's gone, and you know Mike McCarthy doesn't isn't like me and trying to fit his narrative, um, you know that's a juicy role. Except, are we a little bit worried that Matt Lafleur couldn't figure out that Derrick Henry should have been the RB one until but, week thirteen of last season? Like Lafleur's got his head up his ass. I can't. I'm like I'm. F- done with this game, with the whole thing in in defense of Matt LaFleur sure um, tell me all about it I think that he wanted to run a 
He believed in Mariota. Yeah, well, I I don't know if he believed in Mariota, but he wanted to run a certain type of offense that his quarterback just couldn't handle, and that was more conducive to a space-type back like a Deion Lewis. So mere criticism could be valid that he didn't get it together until time was essentially running out on the Titans season. Um, yeah, fair point. Fair point. I'm not I'm not here to be like a Matt LaFleur stand or anything. Okay. I just think it's something to be concerned about. And I'm not as in love with Aaron Jones as everybody else because of his predictability. I'm sorry, Brett. Brett is looking at me like wrap this up. No? Not okay, at all. you're not. Oh, you're loving hearing me I go on it. and on about an a position that juice. Matt doesn't believe matters. I have an uh, answer on the juice thing. Oh. Go, please. His tell teammate us. Miles Boykin oh. said his nickname is Juice for a reason. His energy is contagious. I think that's just how Miles must have said it, too. Yep. <laughs> that was, that I mean, was a clip I recorded of Miles Boykin at the NFL draft. That was not me talking. We did not get that kind of player access at the NFL draft, bro. Don't don't lie. <laughs> we did get some some you did. awesome pizza. Spoke to aforementioned oh, yeah, Derek right. Henry. Well, I was no, in, we did, while we did. I was in bed eating combos, you were out working. As did yeah, and and by the way, you can hear Derrick Henry speak on the oh. next on Monday's edition of Rookie Orientation, where we will be covering Raiders running back Josh Jacobs. Derrick Henry joins the program to talk about the fellow Alabama Crimson Tide. Way to drop that back, on time, by the way. Along with several other great guests, including NFL Network's Daniel Jeremiah. Big episode, folks. Definitely uh, tune in. Well, on that note, on Matt's, I mean, let's just finish the episode all about Matt with Matt promoting himself. I'm promoting the great work of the Yahoo Sports podcasting team, uh, which has sound design by lead producer Lindsay Fulton, along with producers Brett Rader, Sean Sullivan, and Jessica Rosales. My girl, Jessica Rosales, who I went out with on Sunday. I love her. Anyway, Sully's fine, too. Matt is enjoying the release from Route Prison. Yeah, I am enjoying it. Thoroughly. Freedom, on that note, freedom is great. Everybody. You should follow him on Twitter at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. You can follow me, who is not nearly as free, at Liz Loza underscore FF. Freedom and, is, is kind um, of an idea if you think about it. You can follow uh, us in general at Yahoo Fantasy. Be sure to leave a rating and a review. And oh, don't forget to leave a voicemail, kids. We did get one, but we don't have time to get to it. So we're going to get to maybe more than one next week. Our number is 888-85-YAHOO. That's 888-859-2466. The, the voicemail was more Panthers talk. And honestly, my poor little heart couldn't handle any more Panthers talk. And if you want fantasy advice, we can do that. But if you want regular advice. Oh, yeah. Right. Leave us some nice uh questions about how to handle life situations we'll give you good advice we are experts experts on how to handle things and life situations kids relationships dogs dieting dieting yeah green drinks oh yeah you want to know what's in my juice recipe Ask me on the voicemail or uh, I'm, I'm going to do some big thing about it on Instagram at some point. Brett is shaking his head violently. Or you can just watch the Instagram story I did copying his juice recipe, which, trust me, ends with a much more interesting <laughs> slide. We're out. <laughs>